Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. I'm here with my co-pilot, Dr. David Wardy. How you doing, buddy? Dr. Nick, how are you, brother? Good, good. The uh, sun is shining here again in Vancouver. It's it's so hot. It feels deep in the summer, and we're you know halfway through June. It's got to be smoking hot down there. You know, it's it's pretty warm right now. It's, we've had some hot days, but we're getting a lot of rain, which is nice because we're in the desert and we don't get a lot. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's been actually pretty nice lately. Well, we're, we've like exchanged weather patterns because it's all yes. dry here. You can have it, buddy. You can dry have in it. our rain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, today we've got a very special guest on uh, with us. And as you know, if you've been following along, we've we've often dive into some, some mindset um, training and different things we can do to you know, correct our limiting beliefs and the things that we perceive to be true, which are often faulty belief systems that lead us down a path of dysfunction. And so we've got the honor and pleasure to interview a master in this area, Elizabeth Kipp. And before we say hello and, and let her dive into her story, I'm just going to read off uh, her bio before we get started. So Elizabeth Kipp, Kipp, sorry, Elizabeth Kipp is a health facilitator specializing in stress and chronic pain management addiction recovery, meditation, and she's a fellow yogi. She is a best-selling author, certified kundalini yoga teacher, uh, ancestral clearing practitioner, bilateral EFT, emotional freedom technique, or tapping practitioner focused on helping people actualize their inherent healing. Elizabeth holds a plant science bachelor's degree from the University of Delaware. Elizabeth is a longtime seeker of truth, spanning both the spiritual and scientific worlds. In 1982, Elizabeth's uh, professional clear end, career ended because of a structural weakness in her low spine. She spent the next 31 years pursuing a way to stabilize her spine and find freedom from per- persistent pain. Her deep connection to the spiritual world supported her through uh, abuse as a child, multiple surgeries, decades of prescription medications, addiction, and a long search for modalities that would help her heal. The journey that so many of us go on, right? Uh, Elizabeth works to help others achieve the same healing for themselves, and she can be found at elizabeth-kip.com. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're really excited to talk to you and all the work that you do in this world. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and I'll be able to share with your listeners. <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're excited. I'm, and David, right? Like we, we often go here in our conversations and it's such a fun area to talk about because it's the stuff that we're constantly feeding ourselves on a daily basis. It's like, you know, some people eat Cheerios and Pop-Tarts all day long, you know, but we're all feeding ourselves some version of how we're perceiving our reality and for better or for worse, it's, it's causing changes to our health, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I, I would like to actually start instead of with my story. I'd like to start with the definition of chronic pain. Mm, People please. really don't understand what it is. Chronic pain is any pain, physical, emotional, spiritual. It doesn't matter to the brain. All pain sends a signal, the same signal, it hurts. So chronic pain is any pain that's felt 
15 days out of 30 for three months or more. Mm. 25% uh, of the North America population, it's estimated by the National Institutes of Health, has chronic pain, and a fifth of the world uh, apparently has, has chronic pain. So uh, we've got a problem. Um, no kidding. And... Uh, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> People don't understand uh, how uh, emotional pain, spiritual pain can journal over into physical pain. Well, and, and I, I love, I'm glad you said that, Elizabeth, because one of the things I'm literally telling my patients and I'm having to educate the public on is that your nervous system, the body doesn't know the difference between the physical, the emotional, the biochemical pain that you're putting it through when you're doing these things that are negative to your body. It's just taking it as stress and it's causing damage. And if people knew how strong what's going on in their head plays a role in how even how their body feels, right? They, if they could make that connection and understand that sometimes the work is needed to be done upstairs, you know, we need to get into the head, we need to deconstruct, we need to figure out what's broken here mm -hmm. to allow the body to heal. And I love it because that's, you're, you're the guru for this. This is really cool. I mean, we're going to get to really dive in with you and look at all these things that you've learned, you've experienced and the suffering I'm sure that you've had in your life that has brought purpose and, and enabled you to help so many other people now that, have, that are going through the same thing. Beautiful. I, I, um, I, I, I had pain for 59 years. Wow. I had gut pain for 59 years. I had back pain for four years. I'm going to try and thumbnail my story. Um, what's really important is how I made my way through Right? What's the list? Right? How do I crack the code? And it, it's doable. Um, the the important thing is here also that there's this rumor going out on in the medical world that chronic pain can't be healed. That you once you have chronic pain, you're always going to have it, and that is uh, is a devastating prognosis. Like you know, I'm all for for listening to the diagnosis but I'm really careful about buying into the prognosis, right? So especially when like, you know, we can't, we can't help you. You'll always be this way. And that's what they told me. They told me I'd be in level seven out of 10 pain every day for the rest of my life. And I'd be in a wheelchair while I'm 40 and wow. So we have to be really careful that to not do that. So let me uh, just uh, quickly um, thumbnail my story. I come from a family where we had um, untreated mental illness on my mom's side, and um, the 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 way we dealt with it was by pretty much ignoring it and by using. My parents uh, both were they drank alcohol. They didn't call themselves alcoholic, but they drank every night and. We were also, as a child, uh, my brother and I were not allowed to emote, and we were told to be quiet a lot, and really was, was to be seen and not heard, and so there was that. And then there was a lot of pressure to perform in school. So if we came, even when I came home with A's on my report card, that wasn't enough. They wanted more. So you can see the pressure there that's really hard on a child because they 
make all that mean I'm, I'm wrong, I'm bad, I'm not enough, what's wrong with me, I'm not loved, all those kinds of things. Um, and it, it's just a lot of confusion. So there was that undercurrent and no tools to deal with it. The only tools I had to deal with stress were, were uh, sleep and we had, a, we had a pretty good diet. And, um, and I, had, I was an athlete. So I had, that was a great avenue for me. I was able to, to exercise. So that, that, was a, that was a real saving grace. Um, anyway, when I was 14, I fell off a horse and I broke the uh, fifth lumbar on my back. And um, I didn't realize what a problem that was. I actually got up and walked away from that accident. And because I could walk, I didn't realize that I had really hurt myself. I mean, it hurt, but I just didn't, we didn't, never got an x-ray or anything. And uh, anyway, my back hurt for seven years and um, it got better from time to time and then it got worse. And, and finally, seven years uh, later, I um, actually had a job and I, and I had so much pain going home one day that I was like, maybe I should see a doctor. And so I went and saw some back doctors and they, they took an x-ray and they said, oh, you have an old injury. And I was like, oh, I know when that happened. So the, that was an issue. The other thing that happened when I was 15 was my mom uh, went really berserk and she tried to kill me. And she, she just, she was a combination of drugs of, of uh, sorry, um, she was on antibiotics and she was drinking, and that's a really lethal combination. And the only reason I'm really bringing that forward is because it's that dangerous. I just want everybody to know, do not mix those things. So that also, for me, the PTSD on that went untreated. And <clears throat> that created a really powerful cycle of chronic pain. The other component as a child, I had gut pain the whole time and we never knew that part of that was emotional. The other part was I can't digest casein, the base protein in milk. And I was told three, you have to, you have to drink three glasses of milk a day, period. No arguing, right? So, right? So we didn't know about these things. I also have a, an allergy to gluten, mm -hmm. very sensitive to gluten. We didn't know about these things back then. So that's a big setup for chronic pain. <clears throat> so I had surgery to stabilize the spine. I had three different surgeries. After the first one, they put me on um, opiates and benzodiazepines. And uh, I never got off them for 31 years. Every time I had surgery, I, I was on more. And the thing about the pain medicine was it, it, it really didn't work very well. And it was like the best they could do. They were trying to help the quality of life because they, they really didn't have an answer. So, you know, I have a scientific background and my, my ex-husband had a scientific background and we just kept looking in the literature. We learned everything we could about uh, what the doctors, you know, knew about my back and, and how we could treat it. But we never were able to understand that emotional link until I finally went, found a doctor that could, that could get me off the medication, and I went into a pain management program. And what was interesting was 
I was, uh, I detoxed for 12 days and in, in, a, in a hospital bed in a chemical dependency hospital. And after 12 days, I got up and they kind of poured me into a wheelchair, but I stood up from the bed to the wheelchair and I noticed, oh my goodness, I don't have back pain anymore. I'll take more of this, right? <laughs> I was like, wow, right? And I got in the wheelchair and, and uh, when they wheeled me into pain track and I you know, began the, the pain management program, I was there uh, at that, at that, in that whole program for 52 days. I walked in there with a lifetime of chronic pain in my gut and 40 years of chronic pain in my back. And 52 days later, I walked out pain-free. Wow. That's how powerful that program was, right? So um, I never knew until I got in that program that uh, the emotional baggage I was carrying was, was a, a huge contributor and the other thing I just want to mention here, especially because of the kind of program this is, the doctors never ask this question, why isn't Elizabeth healing? They just assumed I wouldn't. And yeah. what my, my value as, a, as, as having been trained in science, uh, in 19, it was 1982, two or three, it was in 1983 when this doctor said to me, you will be in level seven out of 10 pain for the rest of your life. And you will be in a wheelchair when you're 40. And I just broke down. I was real vulnerable at that point. I just broke down. But a part of me knew there was something missing. I just knew. And I, and I realized that this doctor was not a fortune teller and they had forgotten his basic science, which is everything is a probability, not fact right? It's, it's probable that, that mm -hmm. there's a room for hope. And the other thing is, is that we live in the all that is, the all that is. Science lives in part of it. It's a self-limiting framework. We heal in the all that is. Mm -hmm. So science can bring us many answers, but some of the answers are outside of science. And that was my saving grace. I knew that I had the power somehow to heal. I just hadn't found it yet. <laughs> and that perseverance was grace, right? That didn't come from science. That came from grace, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of uh, how that worked. And, and I just wanted to, if I could, just run through the list of the nine things that I, that I, that I did to clear this pain. Mm -hmm. One, I detoxed off the meds. And we discovered that I had hyperalgesia. That's why I had that reaction. As soon as I was off the meds, off the pain medicine, the pain in my back was gone. We realized that the meds themselves, those opiates, were causing the pain. Wow. A lot of the pain. Yeah, a lot of the back pain were causing that. We did adversity therapy to deal with the, with the trauma that I had dealt with. We did ancestor clearing. I did Qigong. I did yoga, and later I did kundalini yoga. I um, brought in nutrition in terms of food, hydration, and balancing the gut. Uh, we looked at, we looked at uh, my, my inflammatory response, and we took sugar out, added sugar. Um, we added meditation and mantra. I am a nature buff anyway, but nature is a really important part. 
I have a daily gratitude practice, and I make sure that I'm hooked into the community. So that's a heady recipe, but it's a great recipe. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's. I was listening to it and just thinking about our journey with Clarissa, and and it's there's so much likeness there to just the multi therapeutic approach that, that you took to get a holistic amount of healing. I mean. You know, it's funny that you're saying how these doctors tell people. They almost write you a sentence now and they act like God, like they're just all-knowing. And I mean, I, I say this all the time. Any doctor who's saying stuff like that doesn't deserve to practice because that's not our job. That's not what we're there for, right? Mm -hmm. Like Elizabeth, like you're saying, we should always be asking the question, what is causing this? There's something there. And it's like you're saying, I mean, some people are so stuck in the scientific box of thinking that they won't look outside the box and realize that that's probably where the answer is if you would just care to just turn your gaze a little bit and start looking out of what is the certainty that you know. Look for these unknowns because from my experience, and Elizabeth, you probably agree with me, that's where the healing is. It, it, was, it was in your unknowns. And once you started looking and finding that and, and moving towards it, you saw the healing happen for you. Well said. <clears throat> <clears throat> what yeah, a great one, one thing I want to add to that too is that the, I like how you set up the story appropriately not enough of us go back far enough right we kind of go like uh, my, my I've got a headache uh, must be tension in my neck you know and then they you know do structural based chiropractic or get a massage or you know that's as far as they go because it's just it just sort of happened but you, you set it up. You talked about childhood. You talked about the early onset traumas. You talked about these, the PTSD experiences. You, because that's the framework of how we're perceiving and uh, internalizing our world. And that's, that's the foundation that everything's been built on. So belief systems, how we heal, how we eat, how we relate to others, how we emote, uh, all those things. Like that's, the, that's just the layer. And then you compound another layer with an injury or an accident and you compound another layer. It's all these layers and the multi-therapeutic approach that, uh, that you went through and David referred to, that's just like offloading. I often think of, you know, someone backpacking up a hill, you know, we, we always in this culture we live in, we think about as we get older, we, we are deteriorating and, and like our cells are getting more warped and more inflamed and we're just kind of going downhill. And what I often tell people is that it's kind of like we're carrying a backpack and then over time we just start carrying more and more and more, mm -hmm. more stuff. Mm -hmm. But that hiker, the, the momentum is still in the forward direction. It's still climbing. Your cells are always moving towards healing. Your body's always moving towards regeneration. We just have to offload some of that baggage. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like you said, look for those unknowns. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, sharing that story. I, I love though. Thank you. I, I love that metaphor. It's, it's so true. I, I, um, I would like to also talk about the negative mind that develops in the chronic pain sufferer. Let's go there. We normally, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a normal, healthy human, we, we have a very um, insistent negative mind anyway, because our first answer when we are met with the unknown is no. It protects us. It's, it's, it's an honest, it's just the way the brain works. In a chronic pain patient, that gets accentuated. So we see more no's. And, um, you know, you can see as a child getting 
I'm trying, I'm trying, it's not enough, it's not enough, you have to do better, and then being quieted, and all those different signals that you get, that's a lot of negativity that it gets internalized, right? Now, <clears throat> when I got out of treatment, I was told I have to use the tools every day. And hear me, I was on medication for 31 years. So that really numbed my ability to feel my emotions. And then those medications went away. And let me tell you, I was alive. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with any of that. <laughs> I, I was like, what am I going to do with this? And, um, and I saw this negative mind, and thank goodness for Kundalini Yoga, because it's, it was a really, meditation and Kundalini Yoga were really important in helping me really clear a lot of negativity in, a, in an efficient manner. But I'm going to share with you what I discovered about this, I call it the cycle of suffering. In, in a chronic pain patient. I did it myself, and I had to find my way out of it. First, we get uh, find ourselves in isolation and disconnection. That's disconnection from others, disconnection from our own uh, inner self, and disconnection even from source. Then we judge our experience. We call it bad. Then we get attached. We get in relationship with this thing. And, and, and that's a whole other element that comes in. Then we try and control it. Then we resent it because we can't control it, right? And we resent the attachment. We don't want to have anything to do. And then the whole thing just starts again. It's this negative self-feeding cycle. And, and I saw this uh, as I was in early recovery, and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> this is, wow, look what I've been doing to myself. So it was really important for me to learn, um, to really lean into meditation and learn about being able to just watch my thoughts. I'm not my thoughts. I'm, I'm not my emotions. It's just energy rising, right, and become this kind of neutral watcher instead of this, you know, Supreme Court judger of my experience. So Elizabeth, this cycle, and I love the way you laid that out because, you know, through my wife's journey with her health, with her autoimmune stuff, I've seen that play out in her, what you literally just described. I mean, it was literally laid out in perfect order. And you see people when they're suffering gets stuck in this, right? Like you're saying, like you had to get yourself out. You had to, you had to, to swim to shore, you know? Why do you think some people, I don't think there are individuals that never find their way. Like, and, and then you, how did you come to that realization that you had to get yourself out? How did you become conscious of where you were? I would say I, I had a point with my, journey where I'd had enough. I was just like, I'm done with this. I'm either going to find my way out or I'm going to die. Those are the only two options I had. And that's where I feel like grace came in because that's when I founded the pain management program. <laughs> so I'm just saying I came to a point where I was like, I'm done. I made a decision and then I made a commitment to better myself, to do whatever it took 
to find my way through. And it wasn't about getting rid of or getting away from. It was finding my way through. And that's a big distinction about pain. When we try and get rid of it or try and avoid it or numb it or any of that kind of stuff, we're just feeding it. But if we can learn how to just sit and accept and surrender our experience, all of a sudden that energy changes from, you know, trying to push Niagara Falls through the pipe, but the pipe disappears and we become Niagara Falls. Love Does that make sense? Oh, the visionary was awesome there. And you're right. It's the, the answer is through, not around, not avoidance. It's, it's through. And a lot of people live in this avoidance for decades, like you're saying, and they're taking pain meds or they're doing all these things versus looking to just make their way through what's going on with them. Nobody ever said to me when I was growing up, pain is part of healing. I had to learn that later. The way it happened for me was every time I hurt myself or I got sick, my parents or the adults around me would rush in to numb the pain, to give me sugar, to give me medicine, to give me something for a quick fix. So, you know, I got into this mentality where it was, oh, I have to, it has to, it has to go away. This is bad. I have to make sure that I do this thing. Uh, I have to take this medicine in order to get better. Nobody ever said to me, pain is part of healing. And nobody ever said to me, you are your greatest healer. Mm -hmm. The healing power within you is your greatest healer. Nobody said that to me. That was something I had to discover on my own. Oh, and that needs to be taught to us all from birth. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, that was my childhood, like, like you're describing, you know, if I was ever uncomfortable immediately, let's numb the pain, let's numb the pain. You don't, you shouldn't be experiencing these things. So it's almost like we're bred into this paradigm of this is what healing is. And then when we move into our adult life, we don't know any better by at that point, unless you go through suffering like you've experienced and like my wife and other people have had to go through to where you finally have to like figure it out and, and, and make your way through it and understand that it's not that easy. Well, I did have a, I did have a whole army of people that helped me, <laughs> helped me through my recovery, a whole army. Um, and you know, the, the, say the teachings, um, the spiritual teachings and the, um, the teachings of, of um, Kundalini Yoga, which are also spiritual teachings, but, you know, those go back thousands of years. And, you know, science is, 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 is finally catching up to how uh, powerful they are. Something as simple as chanting acts on the vagus nerve, right? So when we're in chronic pain, our vagus nerve is dysfunctional. That's the part of our nervous system that uh, is our threat assessment, and we get, it gets dysfunctional in chronic pain. So part of healing from chronic pain is toning the vagus nerve and bringing back regulation to it. So you need to bring in things like, that's why I brought in mantra. It's really important, right? And pranayama, breath practices. I do it every day and it helps calm, it helps calm the, the, the vagus nerve and, well, tone it really. And, uh, and I have found in my recovery, remember I told you when I first got off my medication, I was just awake and I didn't know what to do with all those emotions. Well, I kind of was super wound up like a top and I have gone through this great unwinding in my recovery. And so the more I do this work, all the things I talked about, 
the more settled and I become and the more content and the more powerful and the more creative. And it, it's been amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, your, your story is, is so, you know, it's going to create so much familiarity for so many people and, and they're going to be, you know, connecting with you at uh, those various different stages that you, you so beautifully described. Um, I would love for you to just with your, your yoga background, ancestral clearing, um, all the work you've done, even just the process of going through recovery, I would love for you to just sort of describe the anatomy of, of pain through like the levels of like energetics into the mind, into the physical body. Um, do you, do you kind of know what I'm the, the question where I'm? Sure. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah. I was hoping that you'd bring that in. I, I have a great example. Um, so my, my curiosity when I, <clears throat> when I got out of treatment was, oh, I'm a chronic pain patient. And, and, and my doctor, Dr. Prescott said to me, who ran the pain management program, he said, he said, Lizzie, you're not just a recovering addict you're a recovering chronic pain patient, make sure you take care of both of them. And so I'm like, that's interesting. And so when I started Kundalini Yoga, I was challenged because they, they say, keep up, you know, you're trying to do these asanas and they're, 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 you can hold your arm for a long time. And, yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, it hurts. And, and so you're, you're, you know, I was practicing two things. One, I was practicing dropping judgment, which is a huge piece. And the other part, I was, was taking care of myself. So I was trying to find the line between I'm judging my, my experience and it's causing pain and this is actual pain. And I didn't really understand the difference until I went to a uh, recovery conference with, uh, and Tommy Rosen uh, was there uh, doing a, a, a meditation. It's the bless myself pose where you... You, you've got one arm, one hand over the heart and the other arm over your head. And you sit for 11 minutes and you're chanting and you just, you just sit there and you're blessing yourself. And, you know, you get a few minutes into that and your nervous system says, put your arm down and, you know, you don't put it down. And, and you're like, it hurts. And, you know, there's a lot of energy there. And, and then by the time, you know, eight or nine minutes comes along, it's like your nervous system kind of saying, if you don't put your arm down, there's going to be serious consequences, right? So there's a lot of threat going on. There's a lot of worry and concern. <clears throat> so suffice it to say, at the end of 11 minutes, I, was, I, had, I had put my arm down a few times, and by the end of 11 minutes, I was like, Tommy, what are you trying to do to us? <laughs> and he says, do that for 40 days and see what happens. And I was like, are you crazy? And then the other thing was the first thing was like, are you crazy? But because it was Tommy, I said, what does Tommy Rosen know that I don't? And I got really curious. So I went home and I did that practice for 40 days. And you know what happened? At day 30, I didn't have to put my, I didn't have to put my arm down anymore. It didn't hurt anymore. I was like, this is really interesting. So I learned what was real pain and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> through that exercise. So 11 minutes, bless yourself, 40 days, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that I thought was really cool was after 40 days, I went into another meditation and I dropped that one. 
And then I went back and saw Tommy at another event a year later, and he brought the same thing in, and I thought, uh-oh, here we go, I'm going to have trouble again. And I didn't. No problem. <laughs> nice. So it's not, it's not about, you know, how much muscle does Elizabeth have. It's about the mind. Does that make sense? It won't make sense until you have the experience, but I'm trying to share with you that experience. Well, we're trying to get David to uh, men's camp. Uh, oh, yes. So we're working on him. Awesome. <laughs> but he's done some of our Kundalini yoga classes at the various conferences that we've gone to. Sonia's drilled it into him in, in various different ways. Uh, oh, I, I love it. It's one of my new favorite types of yoga. I mean, the experience the first time was just, there's just no, I, you can't put it in words, what you go through. I, I will try and put it in words really quickly. Because okay. I, I, had a, I had an aha moment. I took this one module called the 21 Stages of Meditation. I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, and if I had, I probably wouldn't have done it. But <laughs> again, Tommy Rosen said, do it. And I thought, well, okay. And what I noticed at about uh, halfway through was it, it felt to me like the switches in my genes that had been latent had all turned on. Hmm. And it was like there were all these epigenetic changes going on in my, in my nervous system. And you know what? They never turned off. It was the coolest thing. It was like my body just woke up and I was like, wow, what is this? It was powerful. I love that you said that. Go ahead, David, because I know you're going to have a comment on that. Yeah, I mean, that that was a really good way of describing it. It feels like there's things that awaken in you that they're there already, but you, you it's almost like you're bringing them to life. You feel a shift, and then it stays. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it, it's, it's like life just keeps getting better from what you just experienced, and that's, you don't get that from other things, you know, and and that yeah good job elizabeth that was that was on point <laughs> quite remarkable yeah we, we talk about this often in just we we talk about the sort of five levels of cellular healing and um the last healing essentially in in the cells is reprogramming the epigenetic triggers but what's precipitating that is that chronic state of inflammation and before that is you know what's causing the inflammation to show up and whatnot and, and, you know, this is like the, the power of Kundalini Yoga, and there's lots of other practices, of course, that are out there, but it cuts like a knife. It gets right to the source of what's going wrong, and, you know, you're clearing those old limiting beliefs, like even the one about, I can't hold my arm, my arm up here. Um, I mean, I do this breath work every single morning for those reasons, just to remind my nervous system that you can do this. Mm -hmm. And it's through that, like, cutting through of all those limiting beliefs, those thought patterns, the you know, the emotional ties and all that, that, that we can constantly have tools to apply yeah, to work through. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you, I mean, we, we sort of touched on this a little bit. One is why do people get stuck here? Mm. And two, what's like, what's the, f maybe what's step number one for them? So why do they get stuck? Well, and then what's step number one? Well, I, I, as I said, well, step number one is, is make a decision. Yeah. Make a decision. I'm done. I'm going to commit to my healing. I, I, I would like to also say that one of the things that can keep us stuck in chronic pain beyond the cycle of suffering that we need to, to work through is uh, the nutrition piece. I, I, I would be remiss if I hadn't brought that in. Mm -hmm. So we found out I have a really highly, um, a, a very sensitive in, in, uh, inflammatory response. 
and I had you know, food sensitivities and and uh, and I and I say to uh, people who who really they, they don't really pay attention to their diet. I say like, food is information, so junk information in, junk information out. Good information in, good information out. And so it's really important to uh, have a, a like a clean diet, healthy diet. It's important to be properly hydrated. You know, you need half an ounce to an ounce of water per pound of body weight every day. Um, and you need to make sure that your gut flora is as balanced as possible. Um, and also um, cut out the sugar. Now all plants have sugar. So you you know, you're a salad, you're, you're, you're you know, you're, you're eating sugar, but I'm talking about added sugar, uh, which is in, in, in a lot of foods. It's in, it's in a lot of foods. It's, it's just important to, to cut it out. Um, there's a whole, you know, Nick, you're a specialist in that. Um, so I'm just saying that those elements for a chronic pain patient, um, there's important as the other one. I, I think I listed nine things that I did all together, maybe mm -hmm. 10, and they're all equally important. But that nutrition piece, if, if we don't have that properly in place, uh, we're going to spin on our wheels. Yeah. Well, and how many people, again, are stuck in the pain management pathway of medication, doing nothing for dietary changes, and they're, you know, going to see their physio and trying to correct how they're moving and all that stuff, and they're wasting years, decades sometimes of their life. Uh, and David, I mean, maybe, like, please jump in here, because you start off as a structural-based chiropractor and then evolved into functional medicine and um, an expert in nutrition as well now. So, and you've seen so many people stuck in that pain pathway, eating crappy food, that whole journey. Um, please uh, open up uh, there. Thank you, man. Yes, I'm excited to talk about that actually. So, you know, when I was structurally based, when I started my practice, like it's been like 12 years ago, I remember the type of patients that will walk in. I remember the subluxation patterns that I would see. And these people, like, like we're talking, we're in chronic pain. Like everything hurt. All their joints were hurting their hips, their shoulders, their back. I mean, multiple areas in their back. Chronically inflamed, swollen. And they'd come in, man, and, and like you're talking about just rampant subluxation throughout the entire spine. And it didn't matter how many times I adjusted them, buddy. It, mm. it wouldn't matter at all. And so how, how discouraged do you think I am as this kid coming right out of chiropractic school at 25 I'm doing what I was taught to do, and these people are just massively sick. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm not making a dent, man. They're just coming in, and it's just repeating subluxation pattern. And I like to think of myself as a good assessor and adjuster, so it wasn't like I wasn't doing my job. So then as I moved through through the medicine because of our journey with Clarissa and I became a functional medicine expert and cellular detox and got into nutrition and we've learned all the things that we've learned. It's crazy to see the transformation in when I have a patient come in now, what I can recognize in this person of why they don't feel well, why they're having back pain, why they're in chronic pain. And it's like this whole other world now. Mm -hmm. This is a whole other world of like we're talking. Well, we need to address emotional. We need to address biochemical. We're going to look at physical as well, but we're going to look at everything and see what is contributing to the pain. And it's interesting that, that Elizabeth's talking about nutrition, right? Mm 
and you're cutting off or removing these interferences and it's just finding layers, right? Right, Elizabeth? You're, you're cutting out these layers of interference that were driving this pain in your body. And once people can make that connection and then you ask them to make their way through these things and they, and they make the connection, it's so much easier to get them to keep adopting more and more and more because mm -hmm. they start to understand why they don't feel well and what really has to be done. I'd like to add one other. I, I love what you said, and, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know add a little piece to that because um, it, it's such good information. <clears throat> the body's gonna heal at the rate it's gonna heal. And 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 I'll tell you a, a really quick funny story how I learned that. Right, I <clears throat> I was uh, I have a yoga teacher that uh, that helps me and. Um, he uh, took me through a, a routine one day, and I, 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 when I go into a new position, a new asana, my body tends to uh, spasm, and so we have to stop and breathe and try again and spasm and stop and breathe. And this is all about, you know, kind of me getting over PTSD, right? Anyway, so anyway, so we went through this whole thing, hour and a half class, and we got the body calmed down. We finally got in the, in the pose. It was great. I get down to Savasana, so this, this we just lie down and, and relax at the end of the yoga class. And my legs started spasming again. And I was so, I just was like, this is what I did. Are you kidding? We're in Savasana. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, wow, Lizzie, you're going to try and tell your body how to heal? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it was funny. As funny as a yoga teacher sitting and lying as a vasana, actually yelling at myself, right? <laughs> but that's what we do. And it's important that we just have patience with the healing process, right? It's just, it takes time. And it takes time to build that new neural net away from the negative mind. Mm -hmm. It took a while to build it. It takes a little while to, to, to build the new one. And I say to people in recovery, in any moment, are you, is what you're doing contributing to the old programming or are you contributing to the healing part of your program? Right? That was such a, I'm so glad you added that because that's, I was literally talking to a client today about that. I had to make things relative to her of where she was six months ago to now and then explain to her that's what where real healing is. And, and she had to get her bearings there. To, to understand like oh gosh and then once I told her and just showed her the big picture she was like oh gosh yeah I mean I've come a long way in six months and I was like okay imagine if you keep moving through this where you'll be in six more months you know and mm -hmm. I think and she's at the beginning of her journey in all honesty this was somebody that would kind of come in and out of the clinic she would never really do everything we would ask her to do but slowly she started to realize, oh my gosh, I just need to, I need to have follow through. I need to actually do it. I need to be consistent. And then once she did and like she got some momentum, now she's like full force ahead. But she, like you're saying, she had to make her way through. She hadn't made up her mind yet. She hadn't made that choice. Mm -hmm. I, I would just like to add another bit, which I, I, I kind of caught this before I went into treatment. I, I just didn't know how to get myself off the medication. It was this. I take 80% of the responsibility of healing to myself and I give 20% to everybody else. 
So that includes all healthcare workers, everybody outside of me, 20%. The other 80%, me and God. That's how it works. Um, and, 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 and I think it's a really important uh, position to operate from so that everybody understands the power structure. Well, and people are upside down. They're, they're like, they're literally exactly. the exact opposite, right? Exactly. It's like 80% to the doctors, please. <laughs> and I'm going to do as little as I possibly can here. <laughs> and I'm, but this is going to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, everything you're saying here, Elizabeth, is just so important. And I get, I get so excited because I think of, I've got a list in my head of this patient needs to listen to this podcast, this patient needs to listen to this podcast. Because the, the things that you're speaking to about the journey, the body heals on its own time, the 80-20 rule, I love that. I, I'm going to ask you right now if I can use that. Of course. <laughs> it's amazing because people get onto something. Let's say it's like, I don't know, the right supplement, uh, the gluten-free diet. Or it's the, the one medication that's made a little bit of difference for them or worked really well initially and then it just sort of is phasing out. And they hold on to that like with 90 seven percent effort with three percent hope that maybe there's more to it than that mm -hmm. and they're stuck there for years mm -hmm. right and what you just described is is essentially you you move through those layers mm -hmm. the body heals on its own time mm -hmm. and and you know and it just continues on as as it does and, and this sort of brings me back a little bit to uh what i asked earlier just about the anatomy of of how pain plays out because i think what people don't understand is that you know, so much of the chronicity of the pain has nothing to do with the physical system at all. It's really like, it's really unhooking those, those ment that mental patterning and, mm -hmm. you know, your connection to that, you know, that disconnect or versus connection as you referred to and how we're, you know, framing our perspective of how we relate to our world always filters back to that what's what's your you know frame of mind uh, david you referred to this in one of our first podcasts just of like how you're perceiving the world i can't remember how you uh, the words well, that you it's just our reality man like yeah it's so different for everybody our interpretation of what's really going on versus what is yeah and and just an understanding that how we're referencing everything and how it plays out in the speed at which our body wants to heal etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean these are these are vital cues for people to understand that they have to go deeper it has to be multi-therapeutic approach there has to be time involved and we have to do the work <laughs> yes and right. things shift and and uh and and i'll just say there's an addictive element to chronic pain yeah um and we tend to want to hang on to things and oh this is working for me i'm gonna hang on to it and and that um is another recipe for suffering. And I'll give you a really quick example of where I ran into that and, and I saw it so clearly in my own recovery. I have a meditation practice. I do it every morning. And, uh, and, I, and I found um, I got really attached to it because it felt to me like it was giving me some grounding that I couldn't find anywhere else in the world. And I didn't realize I was getting attached, how strongly I was getting attached to it. About two years into it, I'm sitting in meditation. I couldn't find my grounding. I could barely keep my meditation going. This went on for about a week, and I started panicking. <laughs> and, I, and I was healing from panic attacks. I used to have panic attacks all the time, and I, I could start my feel my system starting to panic. 
and I and I was like, I couldn't find a mantra, but that's all times mantras will help soothe my nervous system. I couldn't find a mantra that helped. I finally reached out to uh, one of my Kundalini Yoga teachers and said, help me. And she said, I love what she did. She pointed me right back to myself and she said, you'll find your way. It was really genius. And I had to sit and be quiet mm. and allow myself to feel that new place, right? That uncomfortable place in meditation. And I did. And he and I got a download while I was while I finally got still, I got a download. And this was the download. Elizabeth, everything changes. Did you think meditation was any different? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It was awesome. Right? Well and how empowering was that to just say the answers are within, you got this. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think when my when I had when we had our first our first son when he, when he was born I remember talking to my brother just letting him know how it went and I'm like I don't know how to do this like you know do you have any advice for a new father he's like you'll figure it out mm-hmm. just like simple it's like yeah. of course right. you're gonna figure it out mm-hmm. exactly. One, and I love that you say everything changes and you're talking about this practice and using the same tool all the time one of the big things that me and Nick constantly preach to everybody is the importance of variation in many of the things that you're doing for your health Mm -hmm. because the body you have now is not the same body next month or six months later you know and if you're continually evolving and expanding and healing then you constantly have to evolve and expand and vary the things that you're doing for your body and for your overall health you know Mm -hmm. and and it's it's so true i mean it's so true anybody can see this I mean, you experience it in so many different ways from like, I take this supplement and I felt this big change when I first started taking it. And now I just don't feel it much or an exercise routine, right? Or a yoga flow or, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You can do it long enough and the body just gets just like, eh. How, how much of this do you think is coming from self-sabotage, right? Like, because I know that there's an aspect to like, you know, that you want to get better but then you're getting something out of being sick, right? Maybe it's like because you didn't have that connection to a parental figure when you were young, and so now you're looking for support outside. Can you speak to some of like the self-sabotage that happens in pain? Well, I, I, I can. I, it is self-sabotage, but I will come at it from this angle. I had to learn to sit still and listen and ask myself the question, how is this serving me? Mm. This, this behavior that I'm doing that's not healthy, how is this serving me? So that I could actually sit with the question and see, without judgment, just see what's happening there. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and you make a really good point about <clears throat> Old, uh, old trauma coming in to play its role in, in these self-sabotaging behaviors. I'm not good enough, therefore, you know, I'm not good with my money. Well, of course I'm not good with money. I'm not good enough anyway. So, mm-hmm. of course, I'm right. Those kinds of things. So we have to go back and go, oh, let's clear the not, I'm not good enough part. <laughs> let's get, take care of the root, right? That's, uh, anyway, that, that would be my angle on that. I love that. And, and honestly, that's a great segue into tell us how you help people and tell us where people can find you. But yeah, please 
tell us the journey that you help people go through. Well, I, I, um, I work with people in chronic pain um, and in early recovery um, or recovery, any, anybody that's in chronic pain um, or recovery from chronic pain because it's a journey staying, staying healthy. <clears throat> I do, um, I begin with, uh, usually the first thing I do is, is uh, I, I get them to sit still and uh, I teach them how to sit still and just breathe. And then the next thing I do is I'll do an ancestor clearing. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what that is really quickly. So we come into this life with the gifts and the burdens of our ancestors. And we, you know, science has, has shown us this. This is, uh, works on the epigenetic, on the outside of the gene level. <clears throat> so my parents uh, were in World War II. They experienced trauma. They didn't know what to do with it. They just pushed through. They came home, got married, had two kids, my brother and I. And you know what? They passed that on to us. Now, we didn't know what it was. I never knew what that was until um, I had ancestral clearing, uh, until I experienced ancestral clearing but I felt it. I knew there was this heavy weight around them, but nobody would talk about it. You know, so we take it on, right? So we use ancestor clearing as a way to help us release those old patterns. It's not just in the lineage, it's in the life that we've led. Oftentimes the patterns that we have um, from like childhood have a root in the, even in the lineage. So ancestor clearing really helps that. Um, another thing I do is, is, uh, as I teach meditation as part of the sitting still, the next step from sitting still is, and breathing is actual meditation. It's so important for, uh, healing chronic pain because it allows the brain to really rest, right? Chronic pain changes the brain and we need to bring practices that heal those changes. Meditation is the most powerful thing beyond nutrition that I know. Um, of course, I always bring in a mantra. I make sure that they step into a gratitude practice that shifts them from victim mode to empowerment mode. And, um, and I make sure that they, they go out into nature and I encourage them to go into community. Well, that's what I do. Sounds beautiful. David, jump in. I know you got some questions there. Well, and I'd like her to share with people where they can find her or, or see, you know, some of the stuff you're doing so that, uh, you know, I'm looking at your website. It's pretty awesome. But I mean, that, would that be a good place to start for people? Sure. Uh, you can go to elizabeth-kip.com and there's all kinds of uh, great information there. I have a, an interesting 40-day forgiveness program. Um, it's a and you get an email every day of a new aspect of forgiveness that you can work on. And there's a, a, we use the same meditation for 40 days, but each day you get a new blog from me and, a, and also an ancestor clearing prayer around a certain aspect of forgiveness. And let me tell you, it took me 18 months to come up with 41 different, because there's a bonus, 41 different aspects on forgiveness. It took a while. And then the other thing that happened was as I was doing it, it was like the universe said, you want to teach this? Learn how to forgive for this. Oh. <laughs> I had to learn how to do my own work. It was great. <laughs> That's good. And so, I mean, we talked to you about giving some home play today. Is that what you, you're going to suggest? 
Well, I would suggest that, but I would like to leave you with these two of my favorite quotes. They both come from Yogi Bhajan, who brought Kundalini Yoga to the West. They're my favorite quotes, but he just happened to have done both of them. And for a chronic pain patient, this is just the berries for me. One is, I walk in a constant shower of self-forgiveness. Mm. I assign everybody that practice. And then the other one is, the strength of your judgment is your only enemy. Wow. Those are powerful. Here, here comes the 80% back on your shoulders, right? <laughs> right. So that's the assignment. Those two quotes. Try and live Can you read them again? Sure. Yeah, one more time. I walk in a constant shower of self-forgiveness. And the strength of your judgment is your only enemy. And try and live in those. What a practice that would be, right? Oh, great practice. <laughs> Elizabeth, you're amazing. Thank you so much uh, for coming on with us today. This was this was one of the the the, the ones that you walk away from and you're like, yes. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, and you left so many gems for us. I mean, the, the cycle of pain that was so fantastic. I mean, just even understanding that for people and see where they where they are and how they perpetuate things. I mean, that and and just your your story and and how you're delivering this healing to the world. I mean, it's thank you so much for everything you've done and gratitude for you for coming out the other side of your journey and not being stuck in that that frequency of pain for the rest of your life well thank you and and i have to say i'm i'm so excited that that uh you know doctors like you are are out there for people because they weren't around for me 20 years ago Mm -hmm. they just they weren't there and and uh you know 40 years ago and i'm 65 they weren't there when i was born all that Mm -hmm. so you know we've come a long way and I'm, I'm really excited for, for, for all of your patients because they're, they're going to find their way through chronic pain a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much. And again, you're awesome. You're this amazing light to the world. And I'm, I'm glad we're able to share you with everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.